0: Father God, we give you thanks and praise for um, your goodness and your steadfast love and your mercy and your righteousness and the fact that your, your word holds all things together and through the power of your word you brought all things into being. Lord, you are our sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords and we um, exist only in you. In you we, we, we move and live and, and have our being. So Father, as we look at your attributes of sovereignty this morning, we pray that you would continue to change us in the light of the truth of your word and, and your spirit, and that you would be glorified during this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're on now the 18th um, session of the Doctrine of God, and this is going gonna to tie up, <laughs> Lord willing, uh, see how other things go with time. Um, the um, attributes of God, and so we're looking at the the last section of the attributes, and this morning is going to be the attributes of sovereignty. Now, um, what do we mean? You often hear the phrase that God is sovereign. What does that mean? Very briefly, Okay, it's above all, he's a maker. Sorry, Annie. He's in control. <clears throat> okay, he's in charge. Okay, he's he's the king. And so you may think, well, why would, remember, we're still looking at the communicable attributes. Why would we consider um, God's sovereignty as a communicable attribute? Surely only God's the one who's in charge. We You know (laughs) we are certainly not sovereign. But why would you think it would be classified in as a communicable attribute? Okay, yeah, there you go. And you want to add anything? Okay, same. Okay, good. We're on the same page here. Okay, we are not sovereign in any way or shape or size or form that God is sovereign, yet he has invested us with The power to rule on this earth with authority to to exercise dominion on this earth. We're not passive players in the creation. We have been tasked with ruling and reigning over creation to farm and to develop and build towns and develop culture and industry and do things. So let's look then at four points uh, that the bible makes regarding the sovereignty of god and the first aspect of god's sovereignty is that god what we mean that by god is sovereign is that god does what he wants and he achieves all his purposes yeah so we need to understand this truth that nothing can stop god doing what God wants. Hey, okay, we can't get in the way of of His, his will. Hey, Psalm one hundred and fifteen, verse three says, "Our God is in the heavens; He does all that He pleases." Hey, God upholds the the entire universe by the word of His power. Can okay, I? You, you, what, unfortunately, is. Common in in our church context is things like the Word of Faith movement and you know these prosperity gospel type teachings, which they actively deny the sovereignty of God. People like Bill Johnson uh, actively <laughs> denounce the the sovereignty of God um, because they say, "How's it, Malcolm? Malcolm, um, that." We have the power to um, basically change God's mind, in a sense. Okay? Now, this is you know, completely unbiblical, for one. Okay? But it undermines the truth that God is all-powerful. Okay, he, create, he upholds the entire universe by the word of his power. He holds all things together, as Colossians 1.17, and works all things according to the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1.11. Hey, Isaiah 46.10 says, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Yeah, not some of my purpose, not one or two things here and there. He will accomplish the entirety of his purpose. So what this is revealing to us about God is that he's not in any way limited by something outside of himself. Okay, that's why in the word of faith movement, it's possible to, to drop the ball on our side because... It's possible to thwart the will of God because of our lack of faith. That's not how God reveals himself. God is God. He's going to accomplish all that he sets sets out. Even our sinfulness can't get in the way. Even our lack of faith can't get in the way. Even the schemes of Satan and the demons can't stop God doing what he is going to do. Hey, God is, is, is God, and He's going to do what He pleases, and He will always bring all His purposes to pass simply because He's God. Now, I don't know about you, but this should give us great comfort. We can't, in a way, mess it up. <laughs> okay, obviously we can sin, okay? But even through our sin, the Lord graciously... Still works out His plan redemptively, and you see that throughout the Scriptures. How many times do like, does Abraham sin and uh, David sin, and all that? Every single Old Testament character, you know, does something to jeopardize potentially the plan of God. But is the plan of God ever jeopardized? Never. God uses all the, the sins and mess-ups of the, the, the biblical characters to work out his sovereign plan. And that's why you see, if you look at the genealogy of Jesus in the New Testament, it's full of surprises. It's full of sinners. It's full of people. It's full of adulterers. It's full of prostitutes. It's full of people who have, have made terrible choices but the Lord has redemptively woven it into redemptive history and brought his promised seed of the woman through all those human mess ups. And he can do that because he's sovereign, because he's he's God.
1: Mm. centuries that he just can't seem to understand and accept. Yeah. Is why is God doing it this way? It, it's not right. Yeah. It doesn't seem right that he would, you know, choose one nation and not others, and choose one people mm. and not others. Yeah. And, uh, why would he manage humans to help? And why would he allow sin in the first place? All these things that I mean they're genuine questions. Yeah. Right? questions but if you don't you layer over all of that God's sovereignty, then you'll come and stuck. And you you know, you, that's something as a Christian I think that we accept and we believe in mm-hmm. and that it can always make sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you see the thing is, the sovereignty of God is an affront to our individualism, and even more so as you know, all of us here have been profoundly, whether we realise it or not, have been profoundly influenced by Western individualism in a way that I think most of the population in this country hasn't, or not hasn't yet. So we've got to be conscious of these of these individualistic tendencies in us that we've picked up from our culture. And I mean, I always find it interesting that, that in, you talk about the sovereignty of God to an you know, audience like ours is typically more challenging than my students at Mukanyo Theological College, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, there's the Western individualistic mindset struggles to grasp all this, and so it's really important that we we, we root ourselves in, in the Word of God here, because um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's his will. Now, just to qualify this, okay, we must distinguish, as Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine distinguishes between God's sovereign or His secret will, which is what we've been talking about, okay, that he's going to do whatever he's going to do. Um, that is never, that's always accomplished, and it can never be thwarted. And his revealed will, okay? Because the, the passage of Deuteronomy 29, nine states that the secret things, okay, it's referring to God's sovereign will, belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So where do we find the revealed will of God? Yeah, it's all here. Yeah, there are no secrets in here because it, you can read it. <laughs> Anyone in the world can read it. Okay. Now this revealed will, it is possible to, to thwart it. In fact, we thwart it every day. We disobey this word every day of our lives. Again, in form of, 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 of sin and living in rebellion to, to God's, God's word. So in that sense, God's revealed will can be thwarted. But his secret will, his sovereign will can never be thwarted. And, and that is something we should then rest in and, and take great comfort in as, as believers. Okay, a couple more implications here. So regarding the sovereignty of God, God's sovereignty means that he is in control of the affairs of this world. And if there's ever a time in human history where you need to hold on to this, it's, it's now. Although we also lose perspective as, as humans. There have always been wars and rumors of wars since uh, time immemorial. We've just got short memories. Okay, Daniel 2.21 says that he changes times and seasons, he removes kings, and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Okay, this should be of comfort to to those of us who who are people in the world who live under dictatorships or um, oppressive governments or political parties that think they are going to rule until the return of Christ. God is sovereign, even over all these seemingly ir- irremovable things of this world. And God is involved in human history. This is, we must distinguish ourselves from deism, which teaches that God is up there, but he just folds his arms and he's not really bothered about what's going on in the world. And we distinguish that with biblical theism, which is we, what we believe, which the Bible teaches, that He, no, He is involved in the affairs of the world precisely because He's sovereign. Okay, nothing in this world happens by a random chance. That's okay, why well the Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter Three, says that God ordains all things that come to pass. All things means <laughs> all things. Okay, he's not, God hasn't left us up to our own devices in order to get on with life independently of, um, of him. He's the ruler of the world. And he rules even over the, the changing seasons, over the details of this world. He rules over the raising up of, of kings and, and presidents and political parties. And he's also the one who oversees their downfall. Okay, God brings all of these things to pass, And so what this means for us is that well, we don't need to get, you know, overwhelmed at the present state of this world through, you know, whatever is happening, through wars or corruption or, or abuse of power. Yes, there's, we can, you know, injustice in us can cry out, you know, we should, you know, we shouldn't get complacent and just say, oh no, that's all you know, we mustn't be bothered about evil that's happening in the world. No, we as Christians, evil should, we should care about it. But ultimately, we can rest that, you know, all the government is upon the shoulders of our Lord. That ultimately, there is hope that he is going to, there is going to be one day, there is going to be comeuppance for the wicked. There is going to be justice for the corrupt rulers. For those who have abused their power and stolen money from the poor and uh, racially discriminated whole groups of people and committed genocide, their day is coming. And so we can take comfort in, in, in that knowledge. Okay, the, the third aspect of the sovereignty of God implication here is that God, is, God has chosen a people for himself. And he's chosen this people for himself, it's Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, before the foundation of the world. Yeah, out of no inherent goodness in us, or nor, nor foreseen faith in us, okay, it's not as if God looked down the corridors of time and saw, okay, those people are going to choose Christ, so, so they might elect. Okay, that, is the def, def, that is the literal definition of Arminianism. <laughs> And we are not Arminians. We believe in unconditional election, which is consistently what the Word of God teaches. That out of nothing inherent in us, no conditions in us, that God chose us simply because. And you can see this even with the Old Testament people of God in Deuteronomy 7 asking the question, essentially, why did God choose little old Israel? Well, he tells us why he chose little old Israel. He says, Deuteronomy 7 verse 6, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of the people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery. Why did God choose Israel? Why did God choose the new Israel, us, his church? Because he loved us. We don't need to get all you know, you know, tongues tied and trying to explain you know, the ins and outs of predestination, frankly. There's a lot of mystery to it. But what is clear here is why are we elect? Because God loves you. No more and no less. Okay? In fact, he loved us even before he created us. I mean, that's already showing that there was no foreseen faith. I mean, he, he couldn't, you know, as not as if we, co- we contributed anything to this. Because he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, even before the creation of the world. We didn't contribute anything. <laughs> okay, he chose us despite ourselves. And even throughout our salvation, God remains completely sovereign over it. It's, it he's sovereign over our salvation from beginning to end. Okay, it's all His work. Jonah 2 verse 9, salvation belongs to the Lord. And that's why, as we've been hearing in Philippians um as we've been preaching through it. Philippians 1 verse 6. Okay, God will finish what He starts. He will bring to completion the work that He began at in you he will bring it to completion at the day of the coming of Jesus Christ so he's he's not going to let us go and nothing this side of eternity will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our lord as romans 8 38 to 39 says we can't stuff it up <laughs> because believe me if we could stuff it up we would <laughs> he's faithful even when we faithless, to Timothy two thirteen tells us, okay, he's gonna bring us to the end simply because he's gonna do it because he's sovereignly elected us, and he's mighty to save. So this is this is the nature of grace. Okay, we don't really, we haven't really grasped actually the. The depth of the gospel, the, the goodness of God's grace, it's all tied up with election. So if there was anything that we contributed, we added to our salvation, well, frankly, it's not grace. Grace is it's a gift. It's a present from God. And, the only, and we just receive it by faith. Even the receiving it by faith, God enables as well. So it's all of it, A to Z, it's all God. Questions. Yes, Malcolm.
1: Yes. And that's also I read J Pack Uh JR Packer's the Sovereignty of Guide and
0: Lism. How do we you know, how do we address that when we get challenged by this? Yeah. What's the point of them doing it with guys doing the call, then what are where's the limits on the people? Yeah, we just a bunch of zombies. Yeah. How we, yes. No no it's it's a good question, Malcolm. And you see this is an accusation that the Arminians have, have levelled against the our Reformed Church. For donkey's years. This was the one of the points that the Armenians back in the 1600s. Okay, Armenianism is from uh, named after a guy called Jacobus Arminius. He was a, a, a real Dutchman from the Netherlands. Um, he was a Dutch Reformed pastor who, who basically you know ended up becoming not Reformed because of his views, and he caused schism. In the church, and one of his the accusations of the Arminians were that ah, you Calvinists are a bunch of fatalists. Um, you uh, it means that uh, become you know, become Christian, you can it, it, it opens up license to do whatever you want, and you don't need to evangelize and all that. Well, I mean, go and read the go and read the canons of Dort. <laughs> This is dealt with explicitly and thoroughly in the Canons of Dort. It's a good reformed response to, to, to these accusations. And basically, um, so that, that's a good Lord's Day exercise. Read the Canons of Dort this afternoon. It's uh, available on the Internet. I'm going to take you, you that long. It's X, uh, X, and that's where the five points of Calvinism come, come from, by the way, Canons of Dort. Um, that No, okay, just because we believe God's sovereign doesn't mean that... Uh, we can, you know, we do what we want and it leads to license and fatalistic. Um, on the contrary, you know, if we have truly understood the gospel, if we grasp the gospel, good works naturally flow from that. It's not that we are saved in any way by our good works, but it, truly having received the gospel, the f- fruit of the spirit flow from that, which are our good works. And you see the 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 flaw of Arminianism that it always comes back to a form of salvation by good works, and this is the where the purity of the gospel um, comes in here. No, we are saved by grace, saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. So it doesn't. It's not a zero sum game. Just because we believe God's sovereign doesn't mean oh no, then we we don't preach the gospel. I mean that's absurd. Because we believe what the Bible teaches. God is welcome. You said God uses means. Okay, how do how do the lost how are they going to hear the gospel? Romans 10 tells us. Welcome, Colleen. Just finishing off. He tells us. He raises up preachers to go and preach the word. And there's nothing that it's not a contradiction of the of God's sovereignty in any way. Okay, God, the message of the gospel goes out, goes forth through the preaching of of the Word, and through the means through the means of grace people god 's call goes out, and he will bring He work in people 's hearts sovereignly by his spirit and raising the dead to life. He will do it so it's not there 's no contradiction here um, and it 's a favorite of the Arminians to kind of to try and straw man. Um, us in in that regard. But I mean Yeah. Uh gonna read the cannons at all. <laughs> Any I'm um, going to explain really that um in terms of on to people um when there's election that we're not born on the second yeah
1: absolutely yeah
0: yes exactly exactly and that is what that is certainly part of the Arminian package that yeah we're sinful but we're not that sinful we still have some agency in us to choose God yes um, yeah
1: canons of door, article
0: three. There you go you've got it on on hand please
1: someone preaching. And how shall they preach unless they have been sent?
0: And the text reference there is right Romans 10. 14. Wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So there you have it, uh, brothers and sisters. Your Lord's Day edification exercise <laughs> the, this afternoon is to read the Canons at Dots. You won't regret it, I promise you. It's enriching, it's edifying, it's... It's it's great stuff, okay? Because they directly um, unpack the the Armenian uh, accusations leveled against the the Reformed Church. that time. come, Kevin. Okay, let's. We're gonna have to wrap it up here, and so let's pray.